0: We're in a series, Fully Alive, looking at really what was God's original plan and purpose for us um, as his kids, as his people in in creation. So I want to look at that again this week, and I want to look at the idea that actually we're created to flourish, to flourish and to bring flourishing. Um, And we're in Genesis 1, basically. We're going to keep coming back to Genesis 1, 28. so I'm going to read that and, and then we'll, we'll dive in. It says this, God blessed them. So he's made Adam and Eve and he blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, that's the original plan and purpose and commission of God. He blessed them. He blessed us as his people to, this is these things, to be fruitful, to increase, to fill, to subdue, to rule, Right? That's what we're on the planet to do. It's for us, like that kind of. It's for us, but it's also through us, and and almost like all of those things for me. There's this sort of umbrella that actually we're created to to know and to extend flourishing, right? That's what we're here for. It's for us, but it's absolutely also through us. You know, so so who we are as those made in the image of God. That's what, you know, we're like, it matters. Who we are and what we do matters. There's real significance, real influence. We keep coming back to these three three phrases I am significant because I am made in the image of God, and so are you. Like, I, you know, we are supposed to influence because we're called to rule and reign. And we're supposed to be connected to God and to one another. And so I want to kind of unpack that a little bit this morning. Like, well, how do we do that? How do we do that well and healthily? Um, and I want to pull out um, some thoughts from a. Uh, genuinely stunning book I've read um, over the last couple of months that I would heartily recommend to you. It's by a guy called Andy Crouch, and it's called Strong and Weak. Um, and the strap line is Embracing a Life of Love, Risk, and True Flourishing. And he, in this book he says this, to be fully alive, that's what we're calling this series, to be fully alive would connect us not just to our own proper purpose, but to the very heights and depths of divine glory. To live fully in these transitory lives on this fragile earth in such a way that we somehow participate in the glory of God. That would be flourishing. And that is what we are meant to do. I love that. That is what we're meant to do, actually, to live fully. In these transitory lives, a fragile earth with fragile humanity, we're meant to somehow participate in the glory of God. That's because we're made in his image, to bear his image. That is what we're meant to do. And so we looked at that, you know, last time I spoke in terms of looking, you know, when Romans 3 says actually all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you know, we focus in on we've sinned, but we forget that actually sinning is falling short from something incredibly glorious, which is to be made in the image of God and to rule and reign and partner with him to see the renewal of all things in our day, in our city, in our lives. Like, that's the deal, right? But why doesn't it always look like that? Because if we're honest, it doesn't. Like, actually, how, how do we do that? You know, how do we? And, and for us, as, you know, I really want to speak to us as a church family. How do we keep um, a high value for being real for embracing and owning our humanity being okay with not being okay and being in process and like I think I feel like we as a church community we do a good job at kind of holding that as a high value right we we want to be real with one another but how so how do we do that on the one hand but at the same time not defer or deny or neglect our call to be significant and to be influential Right? Now, they're not in conflict with one another. We just need to hold on to both of those two things. And, um, and in this book, Andy Crouch, he says that you know, t- to enter into this being fully alive, true flourishing, which is what we're meant for, um, he says this, we need to grab hold of authority and vulnerability. Okay? This is what I want to look at this morning. And he, would, he would describe authority as the, you know, us, as God's kids, actually, to have the capacity for meaningful action. Right? So me having authority means that what I do or don't do does make a difference right? to me and to people in situations around me. He says, this is what he says about authority. He says, this authority, uniquely ours, as the image bearers of God, is a gift in every way. It does not come from our own autonomous selves. It's given by another, and it's good. So authority is meant to characterize every image bearer every single human being on the planet, whether they know God or not, whether they recognise Jesus or not, every single human on the planet is supposed to be characterised by authority, right? That capacity for meaningful action, right? Now listen, we need to be really clear because when we hear authority, we kind of often we think that means that I need to be the boss, right? We think, Positionally, we think hierarchically. It means um, people need to do what I say. I need to be in a position maybe in my job where I'm, you know, I'm top dog and people will do what I say. It means I need to be understood and agreed with and like it, it's none it's not those things. It's actually that I can, I have the capacity for meaningful action in, in different situations, in different spheres, but all of us have that authority. And if you remember back when we looked um, in the first week of this series, we looked at the the Hebrew word for when God says, you know, subdue the earth. That word subdue, the Hebrew word is kabash, which can mean one of two things. It can mean exploit, abuse, or enslave, right? That's not what God meant in creation. Exploit the earth, abuse the earth, enslave creation. Like, no, that's not what he meant. But it can mean... To tame something that's wild to bring order from chaos or harmony out of discord, right? That's what using the authority God's given us looks like. Actually, that we bring something, order out of chaos, this, which is what God did. He spoke life, he spoke things into being. So we do have authority as image bearers. Every human being has the capacity for meaningful action. And how much more for us as God's kids? So we, we need to understand, you know, when we read um, verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue rule. Right, we hear that, like, to bless or bless, it's a really pretty weak word in English, isn't it? Like, we would use it in terms of, like, oh, look, there's a baby lamb and a baby otter, oh, bless. Like, it's cute and condescending, and or oh, you sneezed, bless you. Right, it's a, it's a bit of an insipid word. Like, we need to understand, actually, in a Hebrew context, what blessing actually meant. It means blessing is two things. The Hebrew word is barak, right? And it is not a soft, condescending nicety, which is absolutely kind of what it is in English, right? It means this the Hebrew meant a public declaration of a favored status. And it meant that the person being blessed was endowed with power for prosperity and success. Right, so when, when God blessed someone, or when you see in the Old Testament that someone blessed their son or blessed someone else, it's like there was this transference of, so something from God was transferred onto us. There's this public declaration of a favored status that we have with him, but also this endowing of power, right? That's why Esau was so naffed off when Jacob took his blessing. Because you could be like, well, you know, just get your dad to bless you and pray for you later. It doesn't matter. But like, no, in that context, it's like actually something was transferred when Jacob, if you don't know the story, Jacob basically jumped ahead and tricked his dad to receive the firstborn's blessing, right? So you need to understand what blessing is to understand why on earth did that story matter, right? So when God blessed us, right, in this cultural mandate that we've talked about actually to, to create and rule and subdue and fill and be fruitful and bring flourishing, it's not just a nice idea when we're looking at this, right? It's not just a, you know, a nice concept for us to think about. It's something we are actually commissioned and empowered to do. So being blessed to fill, subdue, rule, is really significant. Something has been transferred to us, to put our hand to, right? We are blessed to be significant, to be influential, to have authority, to have that capacity for meaningful action for ourselves and absolutely on behalf of others, right? Likewise, we look at the Great Commission. So two things we keep holding in front of us. There's a cultural mandate for us to grab hold of and a Great Commission to preach the gospel and make disciples of people. Like when Jesus says, Matthew 28, when he gives this great commission, he starts it off by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Therefore, go, make disciples. There was an authority that was given as well as a commission, right? And he says in other points, he says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. What you loose on earth, heaven will loose on earth and vice versa. Like We've been given significant authority, but do we realise it? And what do we do with it? Now, this is one of the things that Paul was going after. You know, Paul often, I love in his letters where he's praying for the people he's writing to. And I think they're amazing prayers that we can grab hold of. But listen to this in Ephesians 1. This is what Paul was praying for the believers. Verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. It's not just a generic, we know his incomparably great power. We know his incomparably great power that is for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Listen to this, verse 22. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Right, the problem is not that we don't have authority. The problem is we don't realise it or we maybe misuse it and don't know what to do with it. But this is what Paul's praying, that we would know the power that is for us. We would know that actually Jesus is above everything. Everything is under his feet and he is the head. And it's, it's been appointed for the church now again, we've got this wrong. You look historically back in Europe, you know, pre-Reformation. Like actually, we thought that was hierarchically, that politically, we needed to be over things. And like, just look at European history. That went wrong when the, the you know, the, the church. It, there was corruption, and we thought that somehow that it meant us being the boss. Like, and it doesn't mean that. It means we've been given a favoured status. We've been blessed with a favoured status and commissioned and empowered to influence for the benefit of creation. So it's not hierarchical top dog control, command and control, it's not that. That's the wrong, that's enslaving and exploiting, right? That's not what we will be called to do. But Paul's prayer is that we would wake up, that we'd realize we have significant authority. We are significant, influential people. We just need to realize and figure out what to do with it. But the problem is not that you and I don't have authority. We do. So that's the first thing that we need to grab hold of. We need to understand and grab hold of authority. The second thing is vulnerability, which in his book, Andy Crouch, um, Crouch he explains as the exposure to meaningful risk, right? And I would would include, like, like my understanding of vulnerability is essentially, it is all the limitations and frailty of my humanity bumping up against all the frailty and the limitations of your humanity in a world that as yet has not been made new, right? So we're vulnerable. There is vulnerability there. And the root of the word vulnerable means woundable, right? So vulnerability that leads to flourishing, remember that's the goal for me and through me, means that actually it requires some risk Right? It requires me facing the possibility of loss, the possibility I might get hurt, the potential that I may be disappointed or rejected or misunderstood, right? And that stuff hurts, like we are woundable in that. But we need to embrace that as much as we need to embrace the authority that we have. Because listen, you know, for us to walk in that cultural mandate, to kind of follow in that great commission, to live connected to other people, means that we're woundable, right? That requires risk. Does it make sense? Like, if you're in a relationship with people, that involves risk. Like, if if we're wanting to kind of make disciples, share our testimony, reach out to people, like actually that involves risk because they might say no, they might be offended, they might reject you, they might mock you, right? There is vulnerability if we're gonna you know walk in who we're called to be. So yes, you know we've been given. Paul says it in Ephesians one. Actually, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's been that same Holy Spirit lives in you and I, right? we've been told to go we've been given the keys of the kingdom but there's absolutely risk of failure rejection being misunderstood being disappointed 100% there's risk involved right so in either of those things you know maybe maybe in your workplace actually like, actually there's a promotion for you to go for or or actually a, you know maybe it's a complete career change a change of job maybe there's a new skill or a new task that you need to go after maybe there's a new relationship you want to um, go after, maybe you have a child, like any of those things. Listen, like there's a risk involved in those things, right? We have authority and we should do those things to fill, to do, be fruitful in all those ways. That's the cultural mandate that we've been put on earth to do, but there is risk involved with it. Likewise, in the Great Commission, you know, sharing your testimony, offering to pray with somebody, stepping out with maybe a word of knowledge for someone, or, or praying for someone who's sick, or like there's a risk involved. That we feel or look stupid, and it, you know we make a hash of it, and they say no, and are offended. Like there's a risk involved in the cultural mandate, being connected to people and fulfilling the Great Commission. There is a risk involved. There's absolutely authority, but there's vulnerability. So true flourishing, for me, but also through me for people and situations around me, means I've got to embrace the authority and the vulnerability that comes with that. And often. You know, we, we can be really binary in our thinking as humans, right? We, can, we really love the either-ors, right? It's either one or the other, and, and we settle for a false choice. I either have to choose one or the other, right? And it's like there's this linear, you know, there's, there's authority on one end and there's vulnerability on the other, And, you know, I'll I'll choose. And listen, here's the thing. Let's be super honest. Your personality type will definitely lean you one way or the other. And 100% you can find a Bible verse to back up and justify where you position yourself. I'm all about authority. And I can give you a Bible verse for that. I'm all about, like, we can do that, right? Or at least we think, well, we need to have a balance. Well, you know, if if there's a line with authority and vulnerability, I just need to try and be slap bang in the middle. But we're still either or, right? That's not it. What we need to set for is both of them. So I'm going to put this, um, this diagram up on the board, which is um, what Andy Crouch really goes after, is actually we don't need... There should be a diagram, two by two. We got it? Yes. So he's saying, right, we normally have a linear. It's like authority on one end, vulnerability on the other, and you find yourself. But he's like, no, what we need to go for is we need to have high authority, high vulnerability. right? And when we do that, we'll find ourselves top right in flourishing. Not just I will be flourishing, but I will bring flourishing to people and situations around me if I can have high-level authority, high-level vulnerability, right? If we don't, we'll end up somewhere different, so top left, right, If if we're all about authority but zero vulnerability, no willingness to expose ourselves to risk, no willingness to acknowledge humanity and need and lack and frailty, high authority and nothing else, Actually, we end up in this position where things are exploitative. Now, that would be the extreme end of it. But you know, it might look like you know an overbearing boss or parent. It may be you know an, in, to extreme. It would be like a you know a dictator of a country. But it, we can bump into that in other places, right? Actually, no. It looks like all strength, no weakness, no acknowledgement of my need, no acknowledgement of your need, right? And you might feel like in that place, that feels kind of like I am winning at life. But let me be super clear with you, that is not flourishing for you, and it's most definitely not flourishing for people around you, right? That's not where we need to end up. Bottom right, suffering, right? Really high vulnerability, but no authority, no no, abil- no awareness of, or maybe actually there is no capacity for meaningful change. We feel trapped in suffering, right? And it, it may be you know, in situations of extreme poverty. There's... Um, I saw on the BBC website this week uh, a little documentary about a council estate down in Cornwall. You know, where people are stuck, you know, with chronically poor housing, chronically low wages, and you know, because lots of people have second houses down in Cornwall, you know, they they are stuck, they're trapped. You know, working minimum wage jobs, can't afford to leave home, can't afford—like they're stuck, right? a so high vulnerability with no minimal capacity for meaningful change. That's not flourishing. That's not what God's designed for us. Right, that isn't, And it may be that it's a particular life stage, it may be there's illness hits or there's financial vulnerability, maybe a position that you're being put in in work, something like that, where it's like, it feels like I just have this real, I'm stuck. I feel really vulnerable and I don't feel like I have a, any authority, any capacity for meaningful change. Now sometimes it's actually I'm not aware that I do actually have a capacity for some change. Like sometimes there are some situations where it's like I don't and it's hard. And listen, I I want to be really honest. I'm not saying we don't probably all find ourselves or bump into people in all of those spheres at some point. Um, But what I'm saying is we want to aim top right. Um, And so we might find ourselves in that suffering where there's actually high vulnerability. But listen, one thing I want to be abundantly clear is we absolutely will see people or situations who do find themselves there. And there is an unmistakable unavoidable call on us as God's kids to reach out to use the authority that we have to relieve suffering on behalf of those who don't right I think like think big picture for that you know maybe It may be the kids that Jimmy and Gina and the mission are working with in Romania, right? The Roma children in in the kind of Roma villages, you know, where they're in incredible poverty and poor access to education and and really prejudiced, you know, against. And like, it it may be that. The real vulnerability is like, you know what? I have... I have an amount of authority, there is something I can do. It might look like putting my hand in my pocket and giving some money, right? That's using your authority. That is some of your capacity for meaningful action. It might mean coming with us when we go next time and actually loving and serving and building. It might look like sponsoring one of those kids, right? And listen, that you have some authority to do something about those situations that you see where there is suffering, right? And not only do I would say you have a responsibility to actually use some of your authority to relieve vulnerability and suffering on part of, on behalf of others, right? We do. And that's not that it's not going to cost you. Time, energy, money It will stretch you, may, you know, it, it will. But listen, look much closer to home as well. Maybe there's someone in your office who's really lonely. Maybe someone you know is being gossiped about. Maybe there's slander. Maybe there's stuff going on. Actually, you have some authority. You have the capacity to do something about that, right? Even if it's you reaching out and befriending them. Even if it's you speaking up. Even if it's you saying, "Hey, when it, you know when the gossip, when it's all kicking off again, you do have the capacity to bring some change, right?" So where we see people who are suffering. Highly vulnerable, without authority. What does it look like for you and I to step in with the authority that we have to relieve that? The third one, bottom left, withdrawing. Actually, which is almost like the worst of both worlds. So it's like really low authority and really and low vulnerability. Right? No awareness of need. No, you know, no willingness to expose myself to risk. And, and absolutely no. It's like it's with just withdrawn, shut down. You know, at at the extreme end, it would be you know completely disconnected and super passive. But you know what? I'm not convinced an awful lot of us possibly end up there without realising it. Maybe not kind of in the extreme, extreme left-hand corner of that bottom left-hand corner, but I wonder whether we're sometimes in that. Because actually it can look like us just backing off into a safe place. It can look like just me keeping myself safe. Right, and let me be super honest with you. That is where I would find myself. I have spent most of my forty-three years of my life desperately working to get out of that bottom left-hand corner because that's where I find myself. That's where I'm more comfortable. I don't like to acknowledge need. I don't like to say help. Like, and I don't really want to put my neck out and risk doing something amazing because I, you know, so fear rejection and failure. So I find myself. And listen, I, I just wonder: Have we maybe sometimes some of us in the church? tolerated and somehow sanctified this middle ground of grey, I'm fine, mediocre. And we've maybe made that seem somehow quite noble. It's, but it's not flourishing. Right? That's not living in flourishing and that isn't me bringing flourishing to everybody else. And I wonder whether that's one of the, maybe a lot of it would find ourselves there. And actually that still isn't where we need to be because if there's, you know, the question that God is asking us more than anything else at the moment is how much more Right. How do, The journey for us, for all of us, is up and to the right. Yeah? Into flourishing and bringing flourishing. For us as individuals, for me to become more free, to become more whole, I've gotta work hard to move up and to the right. But actually for me to bring flourishing, to use my authority, accepting that that comes with vulnerability, to actually relieve suffering and pull other people and in situations into flourishing, right? To walk in the Great Commission, to walk in that cultural mandate, I have got to embrace the authority I've been given, and accept the vulnerability that comes with that. So we've got to figure out, like, actually, what does that look like? What does that journey up and to the right look like for you? Like, what stops us? What keeps us stuck in any other of those segments? You know, and I want to, like, absolutely want to encourage you guys. You know, the freedom course is coming up, starting the first week in November. Um, I would really urge you, if you're part of our church family, if you've never done the Freedom Course, I would encourage you to because it's such a good way of, of making that journey up and to the right, figuring out, okay, well, why, why is that? You know, and, it, and, it may, why is, and it may just be that it, you're in that slightly sanctified grey area, of I'm fine. But listen, guys, there's, more, there's so much more for us and there's so much more that God wants to do through us. And so we, we need to take responsibility for what is stopping me Flourishing and what is stopping me bringing flourishing? And I would absolutely encourage you. The freedom course is one of the most precious things we have as a church family. So, like, I would really encourage you. Like, think and pray about jumping on that with us, because it will help. It helps us. We've got to kick against these either-ors, right? So it's strength or weakness, authority or vulnerability. But there's so many other ones, right? Success and failure, plenty and lack health and sickness, rejoicing and grieving, clarity and confusion, times where we have capacity, times where there's frailty, times where we have breakthrough, and times when we're waiting, right? Those things are part of every single person on the planet's story. They just are. We're not immune for that as God's kids. That is part of our walk. And God is no less present on the right-hand side as he is on the left. He's just as present, and I am convinced that there is a possibility for us to know flourishing, whichever one of those things we find ourselves in, because we're going to f- bump into those things at some point. There's times when we're crystal clear, and there's times we're utterly confused. There's times when we're full of faith, and there's times we're like doubting God. Where even are you, right? I think it's possible for us to know flourishing wherever we find ourselves. The problem is that we we reject one side, and we could potentially that could be either of those sides, right? We reject one side and idolise the other. Right? We reject weakness and we idolize strength. And when I've finally got it all together, right? Or we find our validation or identity in one side or the other. And that can absolutely be both sides, right? I can be absolutely feel validated because I'm strong and I have authority and success and plenty and I have clarity and capacity and uh, and, and actually no acknowledgement of I'm still frail. Right? That's like I can feel like a champion. If I kind of really find my validation just on one side, equally we could find our validation in a more, in like a victim narrative on the other side. Actually, I'm validated by my lack, by my grief, by my confusion. Like, I can and listen, I want to be super gentle in how I say this. If we're finding ourselves settling for these kind of false either-or's, we, we're doing one of two things. We are, sometimes we have accepted a twisted and a distorted gospel which expects I can have life and life in all its fullness and I don't have to pick up my cross. Like that that's, that isn't the gospel, that is a twisted distortion of the gospel that's just not true. And we're supposed to preach the full gospel, which is life in all its fullness and pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And listen, picking up, on your, picking up your cross, following Jesus is gonna pinch a little, right? It is, it's gonna cost us something. So we've gotta be really careful to guard against that, particularly in the Western church particularly in the Western charismatic expression of the church, which we are, and I wouldn't be anywhere else, but like we need to be super careful against that. That's actually a distortion of what the gospel says. But I think we need to guard just as much against Uh, I'm aware of a cultural narrative that's going on that is somehow my vulnerability validates me, right? We have this this new value for authenticity, which is good. It's coming from a good place. But again, I think there can be a slight distortion, which actually authenticity looks like, here's all my stuff, my vulnerability, you know, it's, it's not so much I'm risking loss, that actually I, I'm kind of gaining some validation through this, right? We celebrate vulnerability and weakness, and this is me, right? That's a great song in The Greatest Showman. It's not necessarily the kingdom, because if it's coming with a, hey, this is me and all my stuff and all my brokenness and all my pain, and, and there's no expectation, requirement, or desire for me to change, then that's not discipleship. And I don't want to be mean, I'm trying to really, I want to say this carefully, because I'm not saying we minimise where we're struggling, and we own our humanity, I'm not saying that, but, listen, we have to understand that we are called to be transformed from glory to glory. So to have a just, this is me, you know, and you are enough just as you are, can I be super honest, I'm not enough just as I am, I'm not, I'm not enough but he is you know paul's really clear about it it's not that our sufficiency comes from ourselves but it comes from him in him absolutely we are sufficient in and of myself flat out no way i'm not enough Right. So we have to commit to this journey of discipleship that is we're being you know, we're understanding I've fallen from glory, which is as an image bearer, bearer, you know, influential, significant, loved by God to do incredible things. That's what I've fallen from, and that's what Jesus has made possible for me to be restored to. And there's a journey. It's from glory to glory. So if we're settling for this is me, I can never change, it's not good enough. But at the same time, we've got to guard against this, you know, life in all its fullness and it never costs or hurts or, like, that's not it either. So we've got to, we've got to deal with these kind of false narratives and these false either-or's and learn to embrace all of it and know that we can know flourishing all of it. So what? Here's my life, la- War Land. You might say, okay, Sarah, that's interesting, it's, it sounds like an interesting book. It's an excellent book. I would heartily recommend it to you. But so what? Now what? Right I always wanted to come back to these things, so what now what what does that mean? What does that look like? Listen, the reason this matters is Romans eight, of course it says this Romans 8:19 for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be Liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. This is a profoundly important passage. What Paul is saying here is: Listen, creation is at the moment in bondage. It's frustrated. It's decaying. It's caught up in that, and it is longing. Other this sort of literal translation means it's like on tiptoe, waiting for sons and daughters to be revealed. And sons and daughters, the children of God, have freedom and have glory right one day all of creation is going to is going to be released and liberated into freedom and glory of sons and daughters but right now we have that now like we, we have freedom and glory as sons and daughters and creation is desperately longing for us to show up and demonstrate that right so we ha- we have to understand that we get to pull from that what that future hope that one day creation will be liberated from decay, from its frustration, into freedom and glory. We get to demonstrate that. We are prophetically declaring that hope right here, right now. That's why it matters that we learn how to live and bring life in all its fullness, abundant life and flourishing. That's why we've got to figure out how to grab hold of the authority we've been given, acknowledge the vulnerability that comes with that, and to use that to move from glory to glory and to see his kingdom come. That's why, that's the so what. This creation desperately needs us to get this figured out. So I wanna encourage you, I wanna ask you, and I want you to really kind of process this with each other and with the Lord. Actually, where do you have authority? and how are you using it remember that doesn't mean you have to be the boss it just means you have to be a person right how are you using it and listen this is the, there's different measures some people are supposed to influence nations some people are supposed to influence twos and threes and like there's a different measure on all of us and listen the bible is abundantly clear that is not the issue the issue is always faithfulness. What are you going to do with God given you? It's not about amount or sphere or measure. It's not about any of those things. It's about your faithfulness to spend what you've been given on behalf of the glory of Jesus and for the sake of his people. And all people are his people, right? That's the issue. The issue is faithfulness. So where do you have authority? How are you using it? And start with your own life. Like, actually, where do you have authority? Where do you need to take some authority? I've had to do that a lot this weekend. Sarah, you need to have a word with yourself, right? I have authority. Absolutely, felt super vulnerable, but I still have authority. Now, where where is there actually maybe vulnerability in my life? Where is there vulnerability in people or situations around that you can actually move towards? Like, what is your response to those things? And maybe, like me, you're aware of that desperate kind of struggle up out of that bottom left-hand corner, out of that safe place where I've withdrawn from using my authority. I've withdrawn from being vulnerable and, you know, and, and risking loss and risking failure because it feels safer. Listen, it's safer, but it's not flourishing. And so we've got to figure out, how do I, wherever you find ourselves, for all of us, how do I move up and to the right? Because it matters for you, it matters for your family, it matters for us as a church, but it matters for this city that we figure out how we can live in flourishing but really extend that to people and places around us. Make sense? Do you want to stand? I'd love us to pray for one another in that. Why don't you place a hand in your heart? Jesus, I want to thank you for, for who you are and who you've made us to be. And God, we just choose this morning to agree again with what you say about us is that we are made in the image of God, that we are called and created to flourish and to bring flourishing. And Jesus, I pray that you'd help each one of us to commit again to that journey of being transformed as we look to you from glory to glory. God, to help us Show us where we have authority and show us what we need to do with that. Help us to acknowledge those places of vulnerability, but know that you want to meet us there. God, we don't need to deny or despise our places of weakness, but Lord, we invite you in. And God, we want to commit to that process of being with you and being made like you and extending your kingdom. Jesus, the one who's above every name. So Jesus, I just pray, Lord, we, we ask for life in all its fullness. Lord, we ask that for ourselves, but God, we ask that you do that through us. God, we ask that for Manchester, life and abundant life for our city, we pray. And God, we want to be a part of it. God, we say we're in, we say that we're yours. So Holy Spirit, come and just breathe life again in each one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name.